So, thank you. Yeah, as Dre said, you know, like the, the Father's Day out last week, oh my gosh, you guys did such a good job and it was so awesome to see everybody just jump in there and help out and, and tell you what, um, come Sunday night I just really chilled and relaxed. It's like, this is good. But the problem is on Sunday night I thought, what's my next thing? I think I'm preaching in two weeks' time. Uh, not realizing it was only one week's time. And it was like, the, you sort of, you know, you, you take a big breath and go, ah, what's next? And um, just like God talks to me in between two o'clock and five o'clock in the morning. I'm an active relaxer and it's hard to get through to an active relaxer. Hey, Warren. Yeah. And so that time of day seems to be when I, I get the, my clearest downloads. And I was, I was just lying in bed there trying to sleep, which is really annoying. But I really felt um, just a real, um, like a real, Witness around the word mighty. And I was just thinking, you know, why do I think of mighty? And it's like the word mighty. And if I was thinking of um, when uh, Gideon was called, and he says, you know, you rise up, you mighty man of valor. Then I was thinking of David's mighty men. And I, and I just, it was just stuck with me. And as I got up, I was like, okay, I've got to, gotta, you know, that, I think I know where I'm going for when I'm preaching next. And then I decided to, you know, read my Bible like I do in the mornings. And can you put up that? first slide please and in the mark 6 verses 4 to 5 it says but jesus said to them a prophet is not without honor except in his own country among his own relatives and his own house now he could do no mighty work there except that he had laid hands on a few sick people and healed them you see what i saw he could do no mighty work there and you know it's like when you when you when the holy spirit witnesses to itself himself and it's like sheesh I got the word mighty just in my Bible reading today, and I really felt that this is definitely where I'm going. And then a couple of hours later, Dre texts me and says, um, "Hey, you had a big week last week. Are you all good to preach next Sunday?" I said, "Next Sunday? I thought it was a following." And I was like, instead of panicking about it, I said, "Yeah, man, I'm, I'm, re- I'm so ready." Within ten minutes of reading that, I, I had the sermon outline completely done. And so when he said, "Are you ready?" He says, "Yeah, man, I'm ready." If he'd, if he'd asked me two hours earlier, I'd be like, I "Have no idea what I'm talking about." And so here's Jesus. He's in, he's in a place where he can't do his normal stuff. He's, he's, and, and he's in his own community because what? They see him as a carpenter or just a carpenter. He's a carpenter. And the thing is, it says mighty gets very lost in the familiar. All right? So when we're around people that know us, when something changes, they are, oh, he's just that, he's just that, he's just a farmer. You know, I'm a farmer. And it's like, you're just that. So Jesus, he went to his own community and got lost in his familiarity. People just like couldn't believe that, oh, no, he can't be God because I just know him as a carpenter. So I was just thinking of Mighty. I was thinking of, of a cartoon of Mighty, actually. I was thinking, I've seen little cartoon things that lift up big cartoon things. Do you think I could find a picture? But Mighty Mouse came to my attention. And I thought, here's a, a tiny little animal that is so small and delicate, and they've turned him into a superhero. And Mighty Mouse, is, it's like, and I guess this is, this is my whole word today, is that. Is that in the spirit realm, that's what you want to be. You want to be a Mighty Mouse. All muscled up and active and going for it. If you go to the next picture now, I'll just leave it on that one, thanks. Um, in Isaiah 9, 6-7, it says this, For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called, counts, uh, called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Is that word mighty comes out again. Um, and I, I thought, well, well, I don't even know what does mighty actually mean, so I thought I'd better check it out. The Hebrew word for mighty is gabor, 
which if you break it down in the spiritual meaning, it says it is strength, power, hero, and warrior. And I thought, man, that's pretty powerful. And then it is worked out through bravery, courage, and action. And so when we, we, we can't keep it safe, if we're going to be mighty, it takes bravery, courage, and action to outwork that. And as Christians, you know, we don't live in a safe place, in a safe life. Because if we live safe, we live boring. But if we, if we really open up to what God wants to do in our lives, we've got to step out in bravery, in action. Um, from my perspective, and it's probably Dre's as well, probably any pastor, what I see often is, is how we knock ourselves back. You know, when people say, how many people have said, oh, I couldn't do what you do. I, no, I'm not, it's not me. Um, I couldn't do that. I'll preach. No, I'd never preach. Or I lead that. No, I'm not a leader. And we tend to be really good at saying what we're not, but we're not that good at saying what we are. And sometimes I think we have to take stock in what am I actually good at? What, 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 what can I do? Like through, through COVID, I realized something. I realized that when we couldn't meet like this as a fellowship, this is my sweet spot, man. I work this. I catch up with people here, there. I'm not great at following up with you during the week necessarily, but boy, on a Sunday, I just, and if I, I try not to get stuck with someone for too long, so if I move on, don't be um, um, offended. <laughs> it's just I'm trying to catch up with someone else as well. But I realized through COVID that I wasn't actually able to operate in my sweet spot. And so... Um, so from my perspective, I just see people quite often just saying, I'm not good at this, not good at that. But it's like we need to turn it around and say, for me to be mighty, what am I good at? We put limitations on ourselves. And so I'm just going to um, give you an example. You know probably where I'm going. Judges 6, 4, 11 to 14. And this is, says exactly what I'm talking about there. Story of Gideon. It says, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was an Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, the Abizarite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Gideon said to him, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us, have told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And so he's sort of like, Really, God, where are you? Where have you been? Why were you in this mess? And you know, it's, it's all about what he's seeing around him. In verse 14 it says, Then the Lord turned to him and says, Go in this might, which is strength and power. Go in the strength and power of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? Go in this might. Go in this strength and power. And it's like if God can say that to Gideon, he can say that to you and I. And I've had to come to that realization that God had a plan for what I'm doing, and he's made it in a, in a role as a pastor. It's like, huge. So here's my point though, verse 15. So he said to him, O my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. All right, who has viewed themselves like that? Yeah, I thank you, there's some honest people. Johan, you're not the only honest person in the place. A few others put their hands up this week. It's awesome to see that we realize that we, we often can't see what others see. Nathaniel. 
getting up and preaching for the first time or sharing a story or sharing something next week. And it's like, I don't know how you have evaded that for so long. But you have, and it's like, it says, oh, I don't know why I'm doing it. It says, mate, you need to see what's on your life. There is a leadership mantle on your life, and you can take people on the journey with you. And it's like, don't shy away from that. Step into that. This is not the first time that you'll be speaking from the front of church. And I'm saying that before we even do it, so that puts a heap of pressure on you. But it'll be great. We're looking forward to it, aren't we? Who's going to come next week because Nathaniel and Kelly are speaking? Yeah, come on. Everybody rock up. Makes them really nervous, and then it's just gold that comes out of them. So here's Gideon saying what he's not when God's telling to, trying to tell him what he is. And it's like, isn't that just a human issue that we have? That it's like we just don't quite get what God sees. Who does God use? In 1 Corinthians 1, 27, it says, But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. How true is that? You know, often we think, oh, we need people that are going to do things that have got all their ducks in a row. They know they're talking intelligent. But actually, God uses you and me. Ah, God uses me. He's used a donkey, for goodness sake. And so he can use anybody. Um, There's a song um, that you'll remember, this song here. Um, This is going to be the second time I've sung in two preachings, and it's like you're probably thinking that I'm trying to get Jordan's attention so she can, you know, get me to song lead sometime. It's like, come on, Jordan, can't you see my gifting here? But do you know the song? My God is so big, so strong, and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. I think I just butchered my, aud- my audition, eh? <clears throat> it's because I've had a cold this week. <laughs> oh, can I try again next week? Yeah, okay, we'll try something else. But, I, but it's that song, you know, how many have heard that song over the years? Yeah, it's one of those ones that, as kids, we sung it at, at Sunday school. I remember my kids singing. I remember, remember that, I don't know, it's, my God is so big, so strong, so mighty. It was just a song that got into your DNA somehow. And I remember my boys picking up the mighty bit. And I don't know why we never said to them, when you pray for people, you know, say, mighty God. And I remember one time I was, I was on the floor rolling around. My five-year-old, my second son, Matthew, was, was there. And I'm rolling around. I've told this story before. But um, I had, I'm sure I'm having an appendicitis attack. Absolutely 100% sure of it. And I'm in pain. And Matt was there. His eyes are popping out of his head. He's dead. He says, can I pray for you? And he comes out and puts his hand on me. He says, I pray for Dad. I pray that he'll be all right in the mighty name of Jesus. I've still got my appendix. Never had a problem again with my appendix. I don't know. My dad had his out. Granddad had his out. I've still got mine. But the thing is, what he latched onto, he didn't know what he was doing. He just said what he knew. I pray in the mighty name of Jesus. And I've heard my boys, even now that are adults, I've heard them, hey, you know, just, you know, just that, in the mighty name of Jesus. I hear them say that now. And it's like, man, we've got to see that God is mighty. God is mighty through us. Yeah? Um, you might find this um, um, interesting, but I have not ever wanted to be the centre of attention. I'm not that person. People think, oh, you just love getting up there. No. I'm like that swan. Like, you know, I can look reasonably graceful on the top, but I'll tell you what, she's flapping underneath. And it's, it's like um, when I went to school, you'd have to go to English class, you have to do speeches and things. Oh, my gosh, two-minute speeches is going to kill me. I could not cope with the, the attention on me. You know when, when teachers ask a question, you know, and everybody's like, I, I know it, I know it. I never did that because if I said it and it was wrong, everybody would look at me. 
Even in church these days, if Dre says, what's the answer to that? I won't say it because I've still got this issue of insecurity. Uh, you know, it's like, oh, it's David. Uh, no, Lyndon, it was Joseph. <laughs> Shivers. I don't want to get it wrong. I, had, I don't like being the center of attention. Um, it's, it's something that I used to hear dad on the phone talking to livestock agents or reps and things. And I'm like, as a kid through the wall going, oh, if I'm going to be a farmer, I'm going to have to talk to these people. I don't know what to say to them. I mean, what do you ring up and I, I don't know what to say. And so I always had this insecurity. I would go red, man, as red as a beetroot. I can still blush now when I'm not in control. <laughs> There's only control that hides it. But it's like um, I don't like to be the center of attention. I don't like to um, have all everybody looking at me or, or expecting something of me. And Dre just said, hey, what, what's how I didn't come to church one day when I'm preaching? What would you do? And I said, I'll just open the pulpit and say, anybody that's got a word, come up and share it. Because it's like, ah, too much pressure. I know that even now I'm getting married. It's like, how do you ask a girl to go out? Man, I'm going to be like a beetroot. It's like, would you, do you, do you want to be my girlfriend? I'd be like a red beetroot, man. Everybody say, look at you. And everybody says that. Who, who, had, who has problems with blushing as a kid particularly? Oh, it's fun, isn't it? And as soon as someone looks at you a little bit more, whoa. So I, was, I, I used to think, man, I don't know how you ask a girl to go out with you, you know. And, and finally I asked Kath to go out with me. That was all right. You know, the next big step was asking her to marry me. Sheesh, this is going to be a tough one. And so all my fears came true. I said to Kath one night there, I said, hey, will you marry me? And she just laughed. And she laughed. And if you know Kath, when she laughs, she cries. So the tears are streaming down her cheeks. All I'm wanting is a yes. I'm not wanting too much. But she's laughing so much, it took her a couple, three minutes before she stopped laughing and wiped away her tears. And she says, not yet. (laughs) It's like, are you kidding me? I've gone to all this. I have made myself vulnerable, vulnerable. And she says, not yet. And she just got back from mission trips to YWAM overseas and that. And it was just too much for her to take in. She loved me. She thought I was lovely, but not ready. But she says, just, yes, but just not yet. And it's like, oh, that's like a no. So anyway, it's like, okay, give her three months. So that's Christmas. I'll try again at Christmas, get enough courage back to do it again. See, courage, bravery, it's part of it, eh? But a few weeks later, she's like, come on, ask me again. But see, when I, when I became a Christian, I was 19 when I became, came to God, I felt a shift in my confidence. I felt something change. I don't, why would I want to stand in front of you guys and speak? It's like, mate, you, you guys can disagree with me. And then I could feel terrible. And, and it's like, why would I want to put myself in this position? But, but I really felt like when, when I was 19, I, I started youth leading at 19. Like, I'm, I'm a fresh Christian. I don't know what I'm doing, but I, I, I was ahead of the youth enough that I could do it. And then within the year, I was song leading. Jordan, please hear me. And then probably a few months later, I was asked to preach my first sermon. And, and it's like, it's, it's not what I could do. It was God. It was the mightiness of God. It was God in me. I could feel that I could do this. I'm the oldest of my family, my siblings. And so all those that are the oldest of your siblings... There is sort of like a leadership thing on your life because it's, it's cause all your siblings always looked up to you. So you sort of get used to that. And I think that's probably where I arrived there is that my siblings looked up to me. So I sort of had that sort of leadership role in the family. There's a can do that comes with God. It says, I can do all things through God who strengthens me. That's Psalms 4.13. 
But here's the next story I just mentioned before. In 1 Samuel 22, verse 2, it says, This is David. He's fled to the wilderness to escape Saul, who's trying to kill him. And he's got there. And then, and then it can't have been hiding that good because 400 people found him. They knew exactly where he was, and they went and met with him. That would be like the worst game of hide-and-seek you could possibly play, eh? Hey, I'm hi- everybody hiding? Yeah, oh, we know who you are. We did that at youth a few weeks ago, eh? Around 999. That was hopeless. You go out there, well, there's not many places to hide, for goodness sake. But anyway, and it says this, And everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was discontented gathered to him. So he became captain over them, and there were about 400 men with him. Well, that's just flaming, flipping fantastic. Everybody with issues come and joined him. Hands up if you've got issues today. I've got my hand up. That's good. Only half of us got issues. The rest of us are pretty whole. That's awesome to see. If there's anything with D at the start of it, it's an issue, okay? Distressed, debt, or discouraged, they're issues. And so the last group of people that you think would be useful to you have joined him. And it's like, ah, oh, you're kidding me. But then in 2 Samuel 23, 8, it says this, and there's a change And then it says, and this is just the start of it, I'm not going to read the whole lot. These are the names of the mighty men whom David had. Joseph, the chief among the captains, he was called Adino the Isnite because he had killed 800 men at one time. And then that verse, those scriptures go on, it talks about 37 of his mighty men. If we go back to Mark 6, 4, it says Jesus couldn't do many mighty works. He couldn't do his normal stuff. Then he sends out the twelve. Three, scripture, uh, three verses later in verse 7. He, spe- he sends out his disciples. And they get a taste of what it was, would be, um, what they would be doing when the Holy Spirit came. And they went out in strength and power. Well, in his mighty name. They went out in his mighty name. Jesus couldn't do miracles. Just three verses before that, then he sends his disciples out to do it. And, th- and, they, and it says, Jesus gave them power over unclean spirits and over sicknesses. But realize this, they got a taste of what was to come. And I guess that's the thing, you know, it's like we're all in different um, places in our walk with God, but not to settle at one place because there's a taste of more to come in the Holy Spirit and what God wants to do through our lives. They didn't come into their mighty until the Holy Spirit came. And as Jesus said in John 14, 12, says, greater things or mightier things than what I did, you will do. So I'm going to summarize it now. I've got five, five things that show us where we get our might from. We get our mighty from the Almighty. Number one, we get our mighty from the Almighty. Jesus sent the disciples out in power, in his power. Greater things you will do when you go out in his power. The Holy Spirit comes into our lives in power. And we tap into that, into, into that because that's what God has for us. How? Consistent relationship with God. And what does that look like? It's just literally spending time with him. Doesn't matter if it's worship. Doesn't matter whether it's praying. Doesn't matter whether it's um, reading the Bible. Doesn't matter if it's just you know intimate fellowship. Consistent time with Jesus. That's the first one. We get our mighty from the almighty. The second one is this. 
we get our mighty from generational blessing. Wasn't that good today? We saw it and I heard Shelley say, grandparents and her parents. Well, grandparents, you pass on a generational blessing. So our mighty comes from that. Our strength comes from that. Don't underestimate what we pass on to our, the next generation. As parents, sometimes you can think, oh my gosh, this is so hard. You know, kids, they're going to turn out. Just keep doing what you're doing because they will patent their lives off you, off your example. You know, my story is a bit like um, Felix's story, really. My great-grandparents were Christians. My grandparents were Christians. My mum and dad were Christians. But the thing with mum and dad... They had a, um, a real desire to actually find more of God. They, they knew there was more and they, they sought out the Holy Spirit. So things changed. All of a sudden it went from a traditional type of um, Christianity to, to a Holy Spirit-filled Christianity. So I came into that at 19. And then our kids come along and uh, they live under that. And our two oldest sons and their wives have got four kids each. They are following God with all their hearts. And so our first eight grandchildren are all following in the ways of God, of generational blessing. How good is that? See, it's easier to follow a trail that already exists. And anybody gone through the monkey scrub up in Arthur's Pass? Flip. You know, you can battle for hours through just hundreds of meters because it just tangles it up. If a path is already there, take the path. Believe me, it's easier. If that hasn't happened for you today, maybe it's, you know, it's like I haven't got Christians in my family. My parents weren't Christians. I'm the first one. Okay, so you get to cut the path for the generations following. Isn't that good? All of a sudden, it's like, okay, I haven't got a path to follow, but I get to cut a fresh path. And that's cool. That is cool. That is like, that, that just attracts the goodness of God around your life because you're doing something very good for the next generations. Our second thing is we get our mighty from generational blessing. The third one, our mighty is developed in private. David dealt with the bear and the lion while he was looking after his father's sheep. No one else was around, just him and God. And sometimes I think we, we, we underestimate that what me and God can do. And that's where we get our mighty from. Is what me and God to do. Often we come into a, a, a fellowship situation like this, and because I'm preaching today, I got the microphone and I got the power. And we can we can we can do this, Adre. We can do this. But this is not where it starts. It starts at home in our bedroom. It starts at home when we're spending that time with the Lord. It starts then. So when we bring, when we come here, then it comes the overflow of that comes here. It's not like we're trying to, you know, say, oh, I feel really encouraged today because will you guys sit there listen to it? You've got no choice. You're going to church. I'm speaking. You're going to listen to me. I feel sorry for you. I hope you're getting something. Goliath was not David's first rodeo. You know, he, he knew what it's about. He gets there and he sees Israel paralyzed on the battlefield. Because where had their might gone? Where had their power and strength gone? Their might had evaporated. David goes in knowing where his might came from, where his strength and power came from. He came in and he's like, he didn't look around them and says, oh guys, I'm going to impress you all. He just, he just looked to his God and says, God, we're going to deal with this problem. And he dealt with the problem. And it's like, that's where the strength and power that he tapped into 
was his God, you know, the might that he had. And he was, became a mighty warrior. Because of that one instance, he was known as the man that had slain the thousands, out the ten thousands. And Saul only got the thousands. He was a mighty warrior. It really matters how we live our lives in private and what time we set aside. And, you know, that, can, that looks like a lot of things these days, you know. I know um, a, lot of guys, a lot of you probably in the car will chuck on podcasts or YouTubes, and you know, I do it in the tractor. I do it, well, as I say, I'm an active listener. I'm always listening to stuff while I'm doing stuff. And it just goes in, just goes in, just goes in. It builds you, builds you, builds the mighty in you, the strength and power in you. So that's the third one. It's developed in the private the fourth one is mighty comes when we deal with our issues. Oh, everyone who's distressed, everyone who's in debt, and everybody who's discouraged. What a crowd to work with. But pretty much that's what we work with all the time. We've all been through those things. We all are confronted with these things. But you know the good thing about these scriptures? The good thing that I see here? These people weren't mentioned again. Where did they go? They became mighty. They became David's mighty men. They became a band of mighty fellows that went around doing what they did. And you don't see them ever saying, and David's distressed bunch of losers continued to wreak havoc. You don't see that. You see that they've become mighty. How? You know, counseling is it's, it's a part of life. You know, there's, you know, probably most of us have been through some sort of counseling at some stage. Counseling is good. Prayer ministry. Our church is really privileged to have a prayer ministry team. Uh, it's led by Kath, so she's awesome. And there's a bunch of them that, you know, assist her. And uh, I don't know, there's probably a whole bunch of you here today if I said, you know, who's been to prayer ministry in our church that you'd put your hands up. And uh, we've seen people just come through and break through into freedom and areas of their lives because they've actually availed themselves to prayer ministry. And prayer ministry is different from counseling. It's like we don't pretend to be counselors at all. We're just saying, Holy Spirit, show the root cause. Show the issue. Show the lie. Show where it went wrong. And then the Holy Spirit just comes in and starts speaking into the life. We've got that. Isn't that cool? Dealing with our issues. Kingdom Brotherhood group that Nathaniel you know, led up. You know, it was, it was interesting. I was a wee bit sceptical when we first started. Eight guys there, and we got to talk. Each one of us only allowed four minutes each to talk about the 12 different subjects that we covered. Four minutes, discipline. No one was allowed to interrupt. No one was allowed to preach. No one was allowed to give advice. We were just talking. Four minutes to talk about the issue. Say it was anger, for example. We talk about issues that we've had with anger. And then when, you, when you're doing that, you know, the, 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 what I felt is the closeness of the team. It's like we, we started to get into each other's lives because it's like what I struggle with, you also struggle with. Wow, addictions. Wow, really? You have a problem there? And the, I mean, that was, and I, Lucky wants to, we're going to bring more of that into the place. And it's not that Lucky's anything special, but he's tapped into something that actually works because often we're looking for others to help sort us out, but God's actually already showing us. I saw Nate one night just go real serious, real serious. And I knew God was on his case. And he shares it with me. I won't tell you what it is. Don't worry. Look, it's your story, bro. But he, I, he, he talked to me the following week. And I said, mate, I saw that happen. I saw you go somewhere where you needed to go. See, God is, is, is wanting to get rid of our issues. And that's a good thing. 
Now who's got issues that they'd like to get rid of? Yeah. It's awesome. One of our um, values is church values is growing. And uh, we just love seeing people grow. So when we deal with our issues, we automatically grow. When we do a bit of pruning, we grow stronger. Spiritual growth, uh, spiritual growing pains. You know, I don't know, we had boys go through our house and they'd get through growing pains and it was horrible. Oh, my legs! Oh, and so it's just growing pains. Spiritual growing pains are not that, un- that, not that pleasant either. But they're necessary. Alright, so mighty comes when we deal with the issues. And the fifth one, the last one is this. We become mighty when we align ourselves with the right people, right church, right timing, right place. I had the previous pastor of this church come and hit me up there when I met, met him. And he said to me, he says, where were you when I was here? He's like, I don't know. <laughs> I came when Dre and Hannah were here. That's just the way it worked out. I want to show you something. How many people were in the church before Dre and Hannah came? Put your hands up. Okay, have a look around. There's not many people there, eh? All that, all the rest has happened in the last five years, just over five years. When we align ourselves to the right place, the right people, the right ministry, as David's disgruntled bunch did, you become mighty. Now, for, for Kath and I, you know, we left a perfectly good church, but it was, we felt the shift that we, it was time to move on. It was time to move on. We didn't have any idea what we were doing. But it was a sense of alignment on the very f- first day. First day, and it wasn't a tremendously good day. Was it music team? First day, I knew there was something here, and I brought Kath back the second week because I was there by myself. But it was like, okay. Something's going to go off here. I just feel it in my bones. There's something here. There's something good going to go happen here. When we align ourselves with, like David's men aligned themselves with David, they became mighty because they aligned with mighty. We become, when we align with strength and power, we become strength and power. You're not here by accident. I believe it's God's placement. If you're here and if you're here like you're new today, you, you know, you're visiting, just checking us out, and that's totally fine. We, we love it when people come and check us out. Hope, hope we're all that you want. <laughs> but know that God has got you here today for a purpose because He wants you to journey with a family of people. And I tell you, this is a tremendous family. Love this family. I can say that because I'm one of the pastors here, I guess, but just love it, eh? So what, what is God challenging you with today in the area of becoming mighty? And you think, mighty? Oh my gosh. Just having strength and power, being sensitive to the Holy Spirit, living your lives in a way that um, is challenging, that's brave and courageous, taking action. Thanks. Can we have the music team? Can we all stand, please? God's good. God's good, but he just, he, just, he just doesn't want us to play church. He wants us to go out and change the world. Shane Willard said something um, at, when we were at his night there just recently, a couple, three weeks ago. And he said that after a, a pandemic or after something like COVID, what happens, 
what COVID did, it shut everything down. It ruined lives and businesses and relationships and all sorts of things. And he says, what happens is when, when you go back to what's like seemingly normal, there's a three-year time period where people are looking for something more because what they relied on failed them. What they relied on was the economy to stay good, but I lost my job or my, lost my finances. or um, I, I relied on things ticking along nicely because my friendships are intact and now because I made a certain stand my friendships have been shot to bits and people relied on stuff financial security you know um, future security and that all got taken away from us even freedom to do what we want to do got taken away from us we couldn't do stuff we could only meet in 25s we had to wear masks we had to all that sort of stuff and he said there's a three year window where people are open for God and the clock has started ticking now. This is an opportunity for the church to become mighty and to reach out to those people around us. And it's not that you're not going to find them necessarily in church. They're the people you work with and then go to school with and you go to mum's classes with and dad's groups with and fishing with and hunting with. And So it's time to get out there and share what we have so that people can see that we serve a mighty God who cares about us, who loves us, who's taking us on this fantastic journey. We don't know what it's really going to look like, but I tell you what, the more of you that join us on the journey, the more I get excited, the more it inspires me, and I guess Dre, you'd be the same, the more, you know, we're not trying to build numbers, but we're trying to build people, and it's awesome. So we're just going to sing this song, and if you would like prayer this morning, if you if you if you are feeling a little weak and and a little bit sort of in turmoil, and you want mighty in your life, we want to pray for you. We want to pray mighty over you, strength and power for the next season, that there would be a confidence in you to go out and do what God wants us to do as a church, win souls for Him, and show others that He really cares for them as well. Bless you. Let's sing the song. Thank you.